What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Good score. Well, Lakers will take it away off the turnover. Get that to Susan and Guzman a minute. Here's KCP again. KCP is hot. Just turned the clips over again. And after the turnover, KCP says, let me see. Three on one, what's the best percentage? Me. Let me stop and pop. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where although it was an exciting back-and-forth type of game, Osei KCP could not overcome the revenge face of former Laker Skip to my Lou. Um, Alan, I, I, I don't really know how to react right now. It's very rare that I'm this disappointed about a Lakers game that they were in from start to finish, pretty much. And a game that was actually pretty exciting. But I have to say, I'm pretty down right now. This is one of those games where I felt like they should have won. What do you think? Yeah, I would say, um, well, I would say what I said before we started recording, but I can't say that anymore. <laughs> um, I said the F word a few times, <laughs> just to let everybody know. That is my reaction. Uh, if you remember how Jordan Clarkson looked on the bench after Lou Williams... Uh, drove to the, his right for that layup, and Jordan was just kind of shaking his head, eyes kind of wide open, and the day is not blinking. I was like doing the exact same thing, and Stu Lance called it. Was like, yeah. pretty sure all Laker fans are shaking their heads just like Jordan Clarkson right now, and that's that's what I was doing indeed. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson is all of us, unfortunately, but not to get too down. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. The Lakers were on an extended break. Hope everybody was able to have fun with their family, eat a lot of good food, do some shopping, etc., etc. It was nice to see the Lakers again after the turnaround, and it almost looked like a fairy tale 
ending for the Lakers, and I thought we were going to come out of this break blazing. And But unfortunately, the Lakers kind of let the reins loose at the end there. And yeah, I'm still trying to collect and gather my thoughts because I envisioned a much more lit episode, especially as the third quarter was going on, as the fourth quarter was going on. And then Lou will everything. If there's a Lou will, there's a way. And the Lakers don't have a Lou will, so they lost, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but Alan, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was really good, man. Uh, spent a lot of time with family. Probably gained about eight pounds, maybe maybe twenty eight pounds. It feels like. Um, had my high school ten year reunion. Shout out to Arcadia Woo! High School in California, class of two thousand seven. 173 people showed up to our reunion, wow. which apparently smashed your guys' class last year as far as attendance goes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jonathan and I went to the same high school and did like a lot of the same extracurricular activities. But yeah, dude, it was fun catching up with pretty much everybody that was there. Um, everyone just kind of reverted back to their old high school cliques. And I mean, there are already talks of, we should do a 15 year reunion just because 20 is so far. So, um, yeah, man, definitely had, had a good time reliving some stuff and being nostalgic. So overall the break was, was very good. How was yours? That's awesome. Uh, mine was good. It was pretty chill. Ate a lot of good food as well. Got that pumpkin pie. I usually eat Filipino food. That's what Filipinos do. Like pretty much every big holiday, we just go all out on Filipino food, which I don't mind at all. I love that halo halo and that lumpia and pancit. So, hey, hey. Nice, nice. But I guess with regards to reunions, Lou Will had a Laker reunion tonight and it killed us. So there's my segue. Um, but before we get into the game, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more chummy chummy buddy buddy conversations Luke Walton will have on the sidelines with potential future <laughs> Lakers who are about to become free agents. Nice. I like and I'm it. sure you know exactly which event and scene i was talking about does does his name does his name rhyme with um Biombre gordon <laughs> it definitely does so i'm obviously referring to the luke walton deandre jordan little kids in a sandbox giggling fest that they were having <laughs> on the <laughs> sideline during a time I, I was like what is this bizarre scene right now it's almost fake it looks like fake acting you know what i mean they're like <laughs> co covering their mouths and like giggling so um, hey, but good on Luke, you know, be friends with everybody, show everybody that you're a cool coach to, to play for and that you're very, you're very amicable guy because it can only do us good for free agency next year and the coming years as well. God knows we need the help in that department. So Luke Walton, keep budding it up with all these dudes and you can help with that initiative by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, especially because I feel like we've hit a bit of a snag with our ratings and reviews recently. You know, Laker podcast competition is at an all-time high. Comedian and entertainer Jay Moore's got his own podcast, and he's calling it America's Lakers Podcast or whatever. Really? Yeah, America's Lakers Podcast. Oh, I'm going to have to give that a listen. <laughs> right, why not? <laughs> Yeah, we'll leave America to Jay Moore because we are clearly Eastern Zimbabwe's Lakers go-to podcast of choice. So Yeah, we're going to claim that. <laughs> it's, it's a claim to fame nonetheless, so we'll take it. Um, also, if you're in the giving spirit because of the holidays, please also consider donating to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Uh, we're planning to have a mailbag episode sometime during the holidays, and we'll open up questions and topic suggestions to our patrons first, so make sure you're a part of that list. You can donate a dollar a month, two dollars a month, or even just give a one-time donation. Anything helps. Uh, so with that said, I guess we can just jump into the Lakers game tonight against the Clippers. Obviously, before the holidays started, before Thanksgiving started, they had that Pretty ugly but epic comeback win against the Bulls. And then the next night, they just totally laid an egg. They acted like they were already on that trip to fan against the Kings. And they just did not come out to play again in Sacramento. So that was disappointing. Um, and then, you know, this is probably like the longest break they've had this year. It was a good five days of no games whatsoever, even though the NBA resumed play on Friday. So the Lakers did look 
pretty slow coming out of the gate. I think a large part of that has to do with Larry Nance's reintegration to the starting lineup. So I guess we can start there. One, it's great to have Larry Nance back. It doesn't look like he missed a step at all, which makes sense because he only had a hand injury. So he could still run up and down. He could still work on his body and still get that cardio down. And <laughs> you could tell from his body that he was so, he, he's definitely been so antsy to play some basketball. He was teleporting all over the court. So it was, it, it was really great to see Larry Nance back. But I guess my question to you is, were you surprised that Luke Walton reinserted him so quickly back into the starting lineup? And I guess what are your thoughts on Nance being back in the starting lineup after 11 games off and Kyle Kuzma all of a sudden shifting to the bench um, in light of that? And the Lakers are now 8-12 and 12 after tonight's loss against the Clippers. The Clippers jumped to 8-11. and 11. Uh, Quick shout-out to Blake Griffin. That knee injury did not look good at all. Yeah, I'm, I was surprised, sucks, actually, yeah. that he... I was surprised he stayed in the game after seeing yep. what Austin Rivers did to, like, almost, like, 180 twisted around. Yeah. So, hopefully, he's okay. It seemed like he was able to walk under his own power, but... He looked like he was going to rip his jersey off, though, when he was going to the tunnel. And, I mean, he's had so many knee injuries before he... You know, he, like, knows if something bad happens. So, I mean, let's just hope it isn't anything too uh, horrific. Yeah, it looked painful. But, yeah, um, so well wishes to Blake Griffin. But what are your thoughts on the Larry Nance reintegration to the starting lineup? And do you like it, or are you still kind of wait-and-see mode? Uh, The starting lineup thing doesn't bother me too much, and maybe it's just because it's what I anticipated. Um, Whether I would do that. Or not, I don't know. I'm not an NBA head coach. But what I do know, what kind of bothered me, and I don't know if it's necessarily directly because of Nance, but it would have been nice to have seen Kuzma out there at the end. Um, So, yeah, it's not so much about the starting. And that's pretty much what everyone's been talking about. It's more about who's closing, who's getting the minutes and whatnot. Larry got 30 minutes tonight. I mean, he was very productive. Four for seven from the field. Eight rebounds. Four steals. You know, like you alluded to, he was all over the place. Block shot. Uh, finished with nine points and Kyle Kuzma only played 20 minutes, you know, which is, it's pretty low for him. Granted, he was playing like in the mid to high thirties, which is pretty extreme. Um, I think it's just going to be an adjustment period between, uh, him, Randall and, uh, and Kuzma. So yeah, I don't know. The, the starting thing, like I said, didn't bother me quite as much. Um, and plus, our starters have generally gone off to slow starts anyway, and then our bench comes in and kind of saves our butts. So it almost feels like it doesn't matter who's in there, whether it's Nance or Kuzma, who's our leading scorer. Um, but to wind the game down, which I'm sure we'll get into later, um, that that was a little disappointing to not see Kuz in there. But at the same time, I can understand why Luke would want to go with a more defensive-oriented lineup. Um but you got to get buckets too. So I don't know. It's uh, it's tough. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I guess I was a little surprised that Luke was so gung-ho about putting Nance back in the starting lineup. At the end of the day, it doesn't bother me as much as well. I'm more in the wait and see mode. Like if this continues and we continue to get off to slow starts and then this continues to kind of impinge upon Kyle Kuzma and Julius Randle's minutes, then it becomes a problem, right? right? And tonight, it, it kind of did affect Kyle Kuzma, but I think because of the Blake Griffin factor, and in the third quarter, especially in the second half, Larry Nance was really bothering Blake Griffin, and he was actually being a pest on defense. He was active everywhere, four steals, he was skying for rebounds and just tipping balls loose and whatnot. So I think it was justified up until the point when Blake Griffin left. You know what I mean? Mm, so at that point, okay. when Blake Griffin left the game and then Sam Decker was in, at that point, either take Larry Nance out or shift Larry Nance to the center spot so that he can at least deal with DeAndre Jordan and then take Julius Randle out, who Julius Randle reverted back to his old ways in the fourth quarter. Like, he was ramming into people, getting offensive fouls, being reckless with the ball. At that point, you know, yeah. maybe just sit him. And I, I felt like Luke Walton... I mean, I we have been a little patient with Luke, but tonight I feel like he kind of screwed things up at the very end because his rotational decisions didn't make very much sense in terms of not only the Kyle Kuzma thing. I mean, he literally took out the two hottest players on the court, Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Clarkson, right? Yeah. Like that was that was the group that that had our team rolling and 
He brings in a cold KCP, a cold Lonzo Ball, and then Larry Nance in for defense because of Blake, but then he didn't adjust quick enough to get Cal Kuzma back in the game there. And I think that's so what really... So there are seconds left. <laughs> yeah, that's. I feel like that's what really cost the game. But I think more so egregious than anything else, I think the Jordan Clarkson subbing didn't make any sense to me. Um, and, yeah. I mean, Jordan Clarkson's expression is everything. You know, I mean, that... It was indicative of, I think, what happened at the end there in terms of Jordan Clarkson was passing the ball well. He was shooting the ball well. He was 8 for 12, yeah. 17 coming points. coming up clutch there at the end. He was. 8 rebounds, 5 assists. And when you take out the two best offensive players on our team, you're pretty much asking KCP to be Black Mamba hero mode. And that's exactly what he did when he came in. And he... I think he was like Literally. one for six, one for six <laughs> at the end there. And so yeah. KCP had one of those Kobe Bryant circa 2013 through 2016 kind of games where he had that fade away from the, uh, <laughs> from the elbow too, but it was a very exactly imbalanced, like it was yeah, a very yeah. imbalanced game in terms of very hot at the start. And then all of a sudden he has a stretch where he's just making kind of bad decisions and taking ill-advised shots. And as evidenced by the O for seven before he hit that, weird turnaround Jay. So, I mean, when you take out Casey, I mean, when you take out Jordan Clarkson and Kyle Kuzma and KCP is the only real guy who can shoot, that's kind of what you're going to get. And so that kind of boggled my mind a little bit. I don't know. What what would have been your closing five? I would have had Kyle Kuzma in there. I would have had Jordan Clarkson instead of Lonzo Ball. So I have Kyle Kuzma instead of maybe Julius Randle or Larry Nance, you know, just have those two guys who had the offense like clicking, stay in the game because that's really where we died at the end there. I mean, yeah. defensively, I, we were going to die anyways. Lou Will was carving us up any which way, regardless of who we had on the floor. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I would have gone JC, KCP, Brandon, Kuz, and then probably Nance. It's like as much as we want to see Lonzo out there. And, you know, to Luke's credit, he brought him in with close to six minutes left in the game. You know, it's better than bringing him with like three minutes, which has happened before. But I mean, Lonzo is just not feeling it at all tonight. So no. if you're going to have one of those moments where, oh, no, Lonzo didn't play in the fourth. I mean, tonight was kind of that night because other guys were playing well enough where you didn't have to force that issue. So be interesting to see kind of uh, what Luke's thought process was there. Yeah, I don't know. It was a very iffy close. It's like, I mean, we love Lonzo as much as anybody, but I'm like, no, don't bring him in tonight. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to keep the guys out there who extended the lead. And really, I feel like the Lakers lost momentum when Austin Rivers got that illegal Ugh. free throw offensive rebound violation. That was pretty which, egregious. Yeah, it should have been called. And that kind of tipped the game on its head because after that, Lou will hit the three-pointer and then the Lakers could never really recover mentally. And then it doesn't help that Luke decided to make things worse by taking out the only two guys who could score, you know? So very weird game tonight. Started off slow, then it got super lit, especially with the bench coming in. The second quarter was so lit. The ball was zipping and whizzing. There was movement all around the court. Guys were zigzagging and crossing each other and the passes were... Going across lit. the court, it was very lit, and um, for it to end this way is really disappointing. I guess we can just go down the uh, our general categories and then touch upon specific players as we do so, but I guess my consensus general opinion on this game is we should have won, especially with Blake Griffin going down at the end there. That's when we should kind of should have put pedal to the metal, and instead we went the opposite direction. Maybe we blame that on Luke. I don't know, but... Um, yeah, kind of an uneven start after the uh, turkey turnaround for the Lakers. But let's start with who is your MVP? So, man, I wish I could say this more definitively, but the way it ended, it's kind of like, yeah, I guess he's the MVP. But I have KCP as the MVP with 29 points, 5 for 11 from 3, 12 for 28 from the field, 6 rebounds, had 3 steals. Um, KCP has been on fire the last three games this is his third game uh third game hitting 20 plus points um he's shooting really really well from three-point line actually out of nowhere um he's above 55 percent the last three games so five for nine tonight four for six the last game against sacramento four for seven the game against chicago and 27 points 20 points 21 points respectively and kind of shooting the lights out 
tonight was actually his lowest shooting um, performance in the last three, if you can believe it or not. And I think a large part of that was him just chucking ill-advised shots at the end there. If he hadn't done that, he probably would have been above 50%. But all things considered, I'll kind of give everyone a pass for the end there because that was just a weird ending with uh, non-calls, the Blake Griffin injury, and then the Luke rotational decision. So I guess I'll still go with KCP as my MVP. What about you? Well, um, about halfway through the fourth, I had already penciled in Jordan Clarkson as my MVP Mm -hmm. because I was like, wow, this guy's coming up so clutch. He's really closing it out. And uh, we're going to win this this game uh, because of Jordan Clarkson. So I'm going to stick to that. Uh, 26 minutes. Wish it had been more like 30 or 31. 8 for 12 from the field. Took 1-3. He made it. Came up with eight rebounds. Mm-hmm. That's got to be close to, if not a season high for him. Five assists. He was finding guys. Only two turnovers. Finished with 17 points. He was a plus three. Um, yeah, man. So he's my MVP just because, yet again, very under control. Getting in the paint. Hitting the floater. He took that one three-pointer. Feet were perfectly set. Didn't force the issue. And... Um, yeah, he was just making all the right plays, so not to belabor the point, but when he came out of the game, that to me was like a red flag kind of mistake. Um, but yeah, had we won, definitely was going to stick with him. Um, so he's my MVP. You know what? I am amending my decision. You're right. I cannot I cannot reward this, <laughs> this KCP bad decision-making, bad shooting display when clearly if Jordan Clarkson had played the final four or five minutes he definitely might have gotten us a win on his back, you know? So I'm going to give it to Jordan Clarkson as well. This is probably the most well-balanced overall game. He's one of our few guys who wasn't foul trouble either. He had zero fouls. I mean, who knows what would have happened if he had actually stayed in the game. As As we said at the beginning of the show, we are all doing the Jordan Clarkson head nod SMH big eyed look of bewilderment um head shake head shake because a nod would be up and down oh you're right head shake <laughs> he's sitting on the bench nodding his head yes <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but you know what, jordan clarkson it's okay your consolation prize is getting mvp on the lakers Legacy hey. podcast. Hey. um what was your offensive play of the game so for me um i think this happened in the second quarter either the end of the first quarter or the second quarter but the ball was zipping around. There were maybe three or four different yep. passes that were made, <laughs> three different cuts. It was like a zigzag. They, the guys were zigzagging in different directions. Kyle Kuzma drove into the lane and then all, out of nowhere, whipped past it to Corey Brewer for a reverse layup that I did not think Corey Brewer could make because I thought he was out of bounds. <laughs> but somehow he outstretched his arms and was able to hit it. And that was just kind of indicative of the Lakers bench play moving the ball not only moving the ball but moving their bodies around and creating havoc on offense when they came in and it was just like a beautiful display of basketball you know movement 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 and being unselfish and and really whizzing the ball past defenders so I thought that was a great offensive play for the Lakers what about you yeah so I had about five different plays that I was going to choose from and that was one of them for sure uh, the other one I really liked, uh, beginning of the fourth quarter, Julius Randle setting a pick on the right side of the court. He's probably about 20 feet away from the basket, uh, free throw line extended, and three dudes ran off of picks and then dove mm. into the paint. And then the last one was Kyle Kuzma, and he drained a three. He was just wide open. It was perfectly executed. And, um, yeah, I just really liked seeing, again, the body movement and, um, Julius Randall setting a very solid pick. He didn't like try to peel off of it too soon, um, to draw contact. So there was no illegal screening going on whatsoever. Um, it was just a really great play drawn up by our staff and would like to see more of that, especially when a guy like Kuzma is the one catching that final pass for the three. Um, so that would be, uh, my play of the game offensively. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think we're starting to see tangible evidence of plays being implemented and the guys actually running with them and it's starting to sink in, right? So I think that's a positive development for sure. Now, if only we could get the rotations down pat with that as well. Um, so what about your defensive play of the game? I think the Lakers did not do that well to start off. I was going to say, oh, there's so many to choose from. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they also fizzled out at the end there, especially, I mean, they, (laughs) 
it's funny. Stu Lance kept reiterating it, reiterating it over and over again, right? Don't let Lou Will go to your left. I mean, I know. <laughs> and at the end of the game, he was like, I told you not to let him go right because he's going to drive. It's like he was coaching them or something. I know. Himself. It was so <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so I do have a defensive play of the game because they did play good defense in spurts, um, especially Larry Nance when he was matched up against Blake Griffin and really getting in his head. I mean, Blake Griffin was a hothead for much of that, for much of that game. He was getting frustrated and, and whatnot. But, um, my play would be in the third quarter when Nance kind of just ripped the ball from Blake Griffin. Yep. Um, started the fast Ditto. break and, uh, <laughs> he got a bad lob from KCP, but that didn't matter because JC was there to clean it up and finish it. Um, I thought that play in particular, I mean, Larry Nance had four steals, so he also had a lot of steals that led to easy, fast break points, but I felt that play in particular was indicative of the entire night with regards to his matchup with Blake Griffin. And usually, you know, Nance usually gets punked by stronger, bigger dudes like Blake, but tonight I felt like he held his own and made up for it by being especially active, you know, and not... And being smart about the way he defended Blake Griffin, whether that was kind of pulling the chair at times or really knowing how to use his lower body stance to really keep Blake Griffin from getting deep post position. Um, and then on top of that, I felt like this was more in the second quarter in the first half, but there were times when Larry Nance would be holding his position and then Lonzo Ball would come over and double Blake. And that was really getting... Blake Griffin off rhythm and off wax. So I feel like they defended him as as best as you could, um, a guy like Blake Griffin. I mean, Blake still had 26 points, but there were times when Larry Nance was forcing Blake Griffin to just be out of the three-point line. And I know Blake Griffin is a much improved three-point shooter this year, but I'd much rather him take three-point shots than do his like nifty spin moves and dunk on people. So um, that was my defensive play of the game. So yours as well, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, what about surprise player of the game? Um, I guess I'm always surprised by anything Corey Brewer does. <laughs> I mean, nice. He had he had ten <laughs> he had ten minutes and uh, he is a spark plug. I mean, I he doesn't do that much offensively besides cutting, but when he's in there, he's very active. Um, sometimes he'll drive the ball into the paint off his own dribble, which is pretty impressive, and he's active on defense as well. Um, I will he's say very though, slithery. he's very slithery. Uh, I'm not going to give him my surprise player of the game. I think I'm actually going to reserve that for Nance because I didn't expect him to, nice. I guess, bounce back so quickly. Um, nine points, eight rebounds, four steals, one block. Like I said, played great defense against Blake Griffin, even hit a mid-range jump shot, got some buckets off the pick and roll. Um, he was tipping balls left and right, helping the Lakers get a bunch of offensive rebounds. He had three offensive rebounds. So... I really like what Larry Nance brought to the table tonight. Who was? Did you have a surprise player? Yeah, I had Pope for that one. Mm. Um, just run his line down. Thirty-seven minutes, twelve for twenty-eight from the field, which all in all is pretty good. Five for eleven from three, very impressive. Uh, six boards and assist, three steals, only one turnover, and only one foul. Finished with twenty-nine points. Obviously, in the first half, he was freaking on fire. He was the reason we were still uh, hanging in there in the first quarter. Um, yeah, dude, the guy just looked like the basket was as big as an ocean, you know. Um, was very impressed in the first half with his shot selection. Um, wasn't forcing things too badly, but, you know, we've seen it a few times this year where his decision-making... Uh, primarily down the stretch has been extremely questionable, if not poor. And, uh, I mean, we're learning more about him as a player, you know, and it, it unfortunately might be one of those things that we're going to have to get used to and live with. And unfortunately it seems like when he makes those poor decisions, they are timely <laughs> in a negative yeah. way. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, that's a very timely play for so-and-so to make, and that's typically a, a positive connotation. With him, it's like, no, like, what are you doing right now of all times? Um, but yeah, don't want to take away from the first half that he had. It was uh, ridiculously impressive, and in the second half, he had that stretch where he missed, like, seven shots in a row or something, so... um you figured law of averages was going to come into play there, but uh, had he maintained it, he was going to be my MVP. JC did his thing, so I was not expecting KCP to come out as hot as he did. Therefore, he is my surprise player of the game. 
Yeah, like I said, I give KCP props for being pretty consistent the last three games, putting up 20-plus points on very, very efficient shooting, you know, pretty much 55% shooting. But KCP, this is like another example of KCP giveth and he taketh away because I almost feel like when he gets that hot, it's only if, if, if he doesn't maintain it for a long enough stretch, you're almost fueling him to make bad decisions because it's only giving him more entitlement to take these weird Kobe Bryant type shots at the end that I, that's not the type of player he is. You know, it's great. It's almost like one of those things where it's like, all right, you've hit a bunch of shots. You hit a bunch of threes. Maybe now just quit while you're ahead. Maybe take a heat check here and there, but you don't need to take full reign of the offense. But then again, like I said, Luke kind of put him in that position because he probably looked around in the fourth quarter and was like, Larry Nance, Lonzo Ball, Julius Randle, I'm going to shoot the ball. Right. KCP still had a good game. I just wish he could balance it out a little better with better decision-making, better shot making decisions really so but yeah he's been consistent over the last three games um my disappointing player of the game this is very easy he was frustrated himself we saw it he was catatonic on the bench you know who i'm talking about brooke lopez five (laughs) points two for eight from the field two blocks he got he was in foul trouble really early and that kind of took him out of the game and and you know Stu Lance pointed it out it's good that he was kind of you know internalizing everything on the bench there but man he did not look good and he continues to not really be a great three point shooter he be- he's pretty much just a streak three point shooter we can we know when he's going to get hot from 3 it's if he hits his first you know one or two three pointers if he doesn't then we're in for a a crazy wild ride of him just bricking shots from the outside and yeah, so I was not impressed at all by uh, Brooke Lopez's performance tonight. What about you? Nope, nope. That's that's the guy for me too. And uh, let's just take it back to that game against Sacramento, and uh, it's pretty much the same result. You know, he only played seventeen minutes, two for six from the field, zero for two from three, one rebound, <laughs> uh, five fa- five fouls, four points. Could not contain Willie Cauley Stein whatsoever. Um, Zach Randolph was going crazy in that game as well. So that was not a good game for B-Low. Uh, that game against the Bulls, if I reckon, he was okay. Nope, just kidding. That's Robin Lopez. Uh, (laughs) no, he was not good. (laughs) That was an honest mistake just now. I saw the name Lopez like, oh, dang, 33 minutes, 7 for 11 from the field, 14 points. What the heck? I didn't realize. Never mind. He was 2 for 10 against the Bulls, 25 minutes, he had 9 rebounds, that's gotta be like a season high, and 4 points again, so it's been a rough stretch for um, for the smarter of the Lopez twins, <laughs> um, it sucks because, you know, he's had those games where he's just lighting it up, and we're all feeling good about him, and um, you know, the three of us, you know, including Tommy, were saying, oh yeah, this guy's probably gonna average between 18 and 20 points per game or something. Whoops. Going to be, yeah, <laughs> like kind of a more of a focal point of the offense, automatic, da-da-da, and it's just like, yikes. It's it's quite far from that. And, um, you know, I guess 20 games in the season, um, fourth of the way through, we just got to hope that some adjustments are made in some way and, He's got to do more than just shoot three-pointers, you know? The thing is, when he posts up, I feel like he's not really on the block. He's not in a very good position, so he ends up doing his whirling dervish, you know, ten times slow motion kind of thing. and uh, Or I guess it's ten divided. But anyway, um, I don't know. It just doesn't look like he really fits in with what we're trying to do right now. And, uh, I mean, defensively, as far as being a rim protector... Like he blocked Austin River shot tonight right at the rim. He's he's had some good moments there, but um, even in like simple pick and roll defense against the Kings, and it's not entirely his fault, but he looked pretty lost out there, just trying to contain Sacramento's bigs. And um, if he can't, you know, do things like if you're not shooting, you better contribute in some way. And he he hasn't really found a way to do that. So. Uh, and it's not easy when you got Randall who plays the five well, and now Nance is back, and you know yep. we'll see if he can actually handle that a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
disappointing. Just, yeah, I mean, and, and Brooke Lopez, unfortunately, he's the type of player who, I mean, ideally you think he's the perfect pace and space player because on paper it seems like he can shoot threes, but that just hasn't been a reality. And so because of that, he there, he doesn't really fit with today's NBA or what the Lakers like to play in terms of the pace and space and just going up and down. And when you give him too many post-up, post-ups it kind of bogs down the offense like you said and then he ends up doing his let me stop time with this slow spin move (laughs) and um time does feel like it's stopping it it does (laughs) it's like wow i see exactly what you are doing because it's so slow like it looks like you're teaching someone what to do you know unfortunately yeah and Unfortunately, Brooke Lopez is a situational type player as it stands on this team because he will have some nights where the matchups uh, work in his favor and he's able to eat up smaller dudes and use his skill and offensive polish to get 20, 25 points. And usually that also coincides with him hitting threes from the outside. But if that's not working or he's not hitting his threes, he becomes, I don't know, an 8 to 12 point player who gets three rebounds and is only going to get 20 minutes. So that's disappointing. But uh, hopefully better days are ahead and hopefully he just shoots better and they drop more plays for him to at least get the baseline three because that one's shorter and he has a really good percentage from that spot. Or maybe find better ways to get him involved on offense, use his passing ability, use him as that Andrew Bogut type player at the top of the key where he can utilize his playmaking ability. So we'll see. Um, with that said, we're going to end our show by just, you know, shouting out a few more players and touching upon the key core guys. But before we get to that, I'm going to push it to our sponsors in just a bit, and we will catch you guys on the turnaround. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. All right, so we are back. And before we end our show, we're just going to focus in a little bit more on some of our key core players from tonight's game and how they've been doing. Um, let's start with Brandon Ingram. He had started to be become very consistent in the last few games, even against the Sacramento Kings. If he wasn't scoring, he was playmaking. And I think we've started to see that element of Brandon Ingram's game come back into the fold here. Him being able to pass the ball again and playmaking off of his own dribble. Um, tonight, you know, he had a pretty rough start to begin the game with the foul trouble and yeah, he, you could tell he was very frustrated. And then in the second half, he just started taking it to the rim relentlessly once again, which we've been accustomed to him doing. And he had like a, two really strong drives, two dunks, and then one that was very reminiscent of what he used to do a lot of at Duke, where he was out at the three-point line. Wesley Johnson was guarding him. And all he did was like a really swift crossover, took two long strides to the basket, and it was a dunk. And then the rest of the night, he even took it against DeAndre Jordan. I think there was a drive in there where he was able to flip it up against the trees. And I thought that was really impressive. Um, he really needs to work on his free throw shooting. It, it dipped in the second half uh, there for whatever the reason. Whole freaking team, dude. Oh, my goodness. And even more frustrating when DeAndre Jordan's out here shooting four for four. Seriously. But not only the four for four, but I thought his form actually looked good. I was like, this doesn't look fluky or this doesn't look like a mistake. It's, yeah, his, his form has always looked like somewhat decent and arguably okay <laughs> at times. But, yeah, I, I would say right now it's looking like pretty good. Yeah, so that was frustrating to watch. But Brandon Ingram really rebounded after a poor first half. He had 17 points, 6 of 10 from the field. Only 5 for 9 from free throws. He needs to work on that. Um, the one assist probably not indicative of the way that I thought he was playmaking with the ball. Maybe that's more so the last few games where you saw the assist numbers coincide with the eye test. But yeah, I, I thought he played a good enough game considering the start. Uh, what about you? Yeah, at one point, I actually thought, you know, we talked about how Jordan Clarkson was kind of the one taking over and this and that coming up clutch. I thought Brandon was going to do that today uh, with, I think, about four minutes left is when he started taking it upon himself, like you were mentioning, driving down the paint and things like that, getting and ones but not converting. Um, 
but it just had that feel to it. You know, it's like, all right, he understands that, uh, he has the potential to be instant offense and he's putting that, uh, he's putting the team on his back in that way. So that was impressive. Um, that game against Sacramento, he did have six assists. So that's definitely what's resonating in your mind with regards to his playmaking. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been impressed with him. I've been pleased with how he's been doing. Um, unfortunately tonight, the foul trouble really got in the way, but the fact that, uh, in the second half, he was able to be aggressive regardless, uh, does say a lot. So, um, as far as what I'd like to see from him going forward, I mean, I know we talked about it in the last episode. If he could kind of get a little bit more of a mid range, go in the mm-hmm. post, things like that, um, it will even op- he'll open up his game even more. Um, so I guess I still echo those thoughts. Um, but otherwise, I mean, shoot, his driving ability, that crossover was one of my top offensive plays that I was trying yep. to choose from. That was nasty. <laughs> that was like, like you said, that was Duke comfortable you know Brandon Ingram so the fact that he's kind of going back to those signature type moves that he could execute at a lower level of competition now in the league is very promising and uh just looking for him to put together more stretches like this you know we're not asking him to score 25 points per game or anything like that but if he could shoot from the field efficiently you know right around 50 percent um get somewhere in the 14 to 17 points per game or something. Um, I think that's pretty much uh, what a person should be happy with. And then, yeah, get that free throw shooting, man. He started out the year pretty good, but now the entire team, I mean, we're last in the league in free throw percentage, which is inexcusable. Yep, for sure. You know, Brandon Ingram, I continue to be impressed with how easy he's able to knife down into the lane because a lot of the drives tonight and really over the last few games and the entire season, he has been taking the ball off the dribble from the three-point line and getting all the way to the rim. And he's either getting fouled now or being able to just kind of niftily throw up a shot out of nowhere where you think there's (laughs) no crease. Or elbowing Wesley Johnson in the face. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's a perfect example of his crazy arms because, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what we talked about. He's like rowing a boat (laughs) down the lane. And uh, tonight he rowed it right into Wesley Johnson's face. Yeah, it's like Edward Scissor Elbows or whatever, but uh, they're sharp, man. But, you know, oh, Bra- for sure. but Brandon Ingram, he uh, he just waits for the defenders to, or he just waits till they're caught off guard for like even just a second. He freezes them and then all of a mm. sudden he's gone. And it's not like he's super quick, but along with the strides and his hesitation moves, you couple that together and he his his length his lanky limbs just takes it all the way and so i've been very impressed on that end on the season ingram is averaging 14.7 points 5.4 rebounds three assists only 65.6 percent from free throws that doesn't include tonight's four for nine but he is shooting 45 percent from the field over 45 percent so that's good but like you said i want to see him vary his game up a little more so that by the time he does take a mid-range jump shot in the fourth He's not taking it for the first time, right? Because tonight, that mid-range jump shot that he took, I was like, oh, this is the first time you're taking this. Maybe if you had been in a little more rhythm, you might have made that shot, you know? And then the wide-open three-point three-pointer that could have tied the game uh, in the on the baseline, you know, that Kyle Kuzma threw to him. I was like, oh, man, Ingram, that's one you should have hit. And maybe if you had been shooting that shot throughout the game, you would have been more confident to just drain that, you know? So... Yeah. Yeah, he just needs to work on See, his shooting a lot yeah. more. I, I guess the problem is he's not, like, quite in ISO situations all the time. But if it comes down to a mid-range jumper, he, he kind of is. You know what I mean? So taking guys off the dribble, it's not like he's pounding the rock seven or eight times and then making a move. Right. He's pretty decisive once he catches it. But I guess one thing I'm afraid of is uh, when it comes to those pull-up Js, It'll be relatively contested. So mm-hmm. in a way, it's up to the team, it's up to the staff to run some sets for him where he's the guy coming off of screens and, and curling and things like that. So he really gets a wide open look. Otherwise, it it sort of resembles like a Carmelo Anthony type thing yeah, where he's got to pound it a couple times, maybe jab step, head fake, and then shoot a jumper, which is, again, contested. And that is definitely what we don't want him to do. So... While we say, like, we want him taking those mid-range jumpers, yeah, it would be nice, but it doesn't seem like the opportunities are really there either. So, um, yeah, there's got to be some balance in that regard. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, he's not a pull-up J kind of guy, right. at least at this stage <laughs> in his career, like Kyle Kuzma is. You know, Kyle Kuzma is the type of guy who can do that, um, which is, I guess, a good segue. Uh, I think we'll end our show here talking about Kyle Kuzma. Obviously, we are disappointed that he only had 19 minutes tonight, or 16 minutes, actually, but he was 5 for 7 from the field, was 3 of 5 from three-point land. 13 points, two assists, two rebounds. Now, I will say he was pretty sloppy with the ball, especially in the first half. Um, but really, Kyle Kuzma, over the last five games, his three-point shot has been on fleek. He has turned it up from three-point land. He is 15 for 30 in the last five games. Three for five, three wow. for seven, four for seven, three for four, two for seven. So, you know, we've been talking about how Kyle Kuzma has been so versatile on offense and how it's happened without his three-point shot really being that efficient. And we've been saying, what happens when this guy starts hitting his threes or starts getting hot from the three-point line? And I guess we're seeing it in action right now. Um, his three-point shot has been on point, and it's been really nice to see. Tonight, he got moved down to the bench, but it didn't seem like it bothered him at all because he had that one <laughs> running running jumper or whatever from the three-point line it's like just right inside the yeah. three-point line that i thought was very impressive it was like a one-footed runner so soft. I was like, yeah it's amazing the the tools this guy has in his offensive arsenal and yeah it, it, it sucked that he wasn't able to close the game i will say that well technically he played the last 40 years i'm just kidding <laughs> so I, I will say that i there's one area that i actually agree with luke in with regards to kyle kuzma's handling um, I like that Luke doesn't let him get away with his bad decisions or boneheaded decisions because, look, Kyle Kuzma is our leading scorer on the team, like, objectively. He he just is. At 17 points, he is the leading scorer. Jordan Clarkson's the second leading scorer. And as a rookie, to be the leading scorer on, your, on the Lakers, um, he probably feels like he has license to keep shooting or to be a little flashy, get, probably thinks he can get away with some stuff. And I actually like that Luke has sort of a short leash on him, at least at this early stage, letting him know that just because he's our best scorer doesn't mean he can lose focus on the smaller things and let the fundamentals slip. Um, because I know, especially tonight's game, you saw it, right, with the random behind-the-back passes, the no-look whips yeah. or whatever. He's been getting a little too frisky with the ball and getting too sloppy <laughs> with it. So I like that. Whenever Luke sees those things happen, he pulls him to the side or takes him out of the game entirely um, and, you know, kind of lets him know what he needs to do to slow down, not be OC, remember the fundamentals. And we've seen Luke kind of get mad at him more on the defensive end, which I have no problems with at all. You know, at, at this young age, you want to implement that as soon as possible. And so I like the way Luke has handled Kuz in that respect. And I know people are going to say, well, how come it's not consistent the way handles you know, all the guys across the board, especially when Kyle Kuzma's like our best player. How come he doesn't yank Jordan Clarkson or KCP the moment they make a bad decision? And to that, I'd say, just think about the context, right? Kuzma is going to be a long-term franchise piece. Uh, KCP is a one-year dude. Jordan Clarkson's probably on his way out soon. And with long-term franchise cornerstone pieces like Kuzma, you kind of have to handle those types of pieces with a little more care, diligence, and intentionality. So I feel like with Luke, he's using the kid gloves with Kuzma because he knows just what a talent this guy is and what he has on his hands. So because of that, you kind of have to handle with care from the very beginning. So I have no problem with him you know, using this style of approach with Kuzma because I think Luke acknowledges this guy is going to be really, really good for us for a very, very long time. So we need to start from ground zero in terms of making sure he has the fundamentals and doesn't get too far ahead of himself thinking he's too good for defense, too good for not being a smart player, you know? So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that end? And then what are your thoughts on Kyle Kuzma tonight and what he's been doing the last stretch? Yeah, I totally agree. Um... I mean, the fact that he was as productive as he was tonight in, not to be like a fact checker, but I think he had 20 minutes tonight and um, not 16, but uh, oh. yeah, it's all good. But uh, yeah, he uh, was his typical self. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was hot pretty much um, from behind the arc, from mid range. He did have that behind the back turnover, which like, 
it like felt even worse because Julius had his between the legs Luke Walton signature style pass right yeah. before it into a turnover. So it's like just to compound that issue, it's like, come on, as a team, we cannot be contagious with our dumb mistakes. Um, it, it was like a miscommunication with Kuz and somebody else on the wing. It might have been Jordan Clarkson or something. Jordan Clarkson backed out to the three and then Kuz wanted him to be somewhere else. Um, but yeah, when you say like, you know, he handles him with kick gloves a little bit, treats him slightly differently. I completely, uh, agree with that type of approach. It is all contextual and it just depends on the situation and, you know, what your goals are kind of for each player. Um, of course there's going to be like a threshold for every single guy, but with Kuz, like he is a rookie. So, uh, it just makes sense to handle things in that way, but yeah, the fact that the guys are leading score and now he's coming off the bench, uh, we'll see for how long that's going on. But you know it's not going to affect him uh, in terms of his quality of play and uh, his productivity, at least like in a per 36-minute basis. Uh, going forward, you know, it's tough. Like, this is why we aren't NBA head coaches. I don't know how the heck I would handle the rotation as far as him, Nance, and Randall. Because, like, tonight... Randall had some moments that were not great, for sure, but there are going to be times when all three guys have it rolling. They're all looking good, and how the heck do you decide which one you're going to stick with? And of course, it depends on matchups and whatnot, but uh, tonight, I it's almost like you would have liked seeing all three of them out there, in a way, which is uh, obviously not going to happen. So, uh, I don't envy Luke <laughs> for that, that is for sure. Um, if anything, seeing it's tough to say this, like... I could see Randall kind of dipping back down to the 20-ish minute range, even though he seems to be a lot more productive when he's getting more minutes, albeit in a smaller sample size. I could also see Nance every now and then only getting 17 or 18 minutes. Um, but out of the three, I have the most faith in Kuzma <laughs> being consistent. So um, these next... I would say five to six games are really going to say a lot, especially because we've got a lot of tough opponents. Um, so, you know, we're not anticipating any blowouts on our end. At least we're not going to be the ones doing it. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see how things, how things end up working out. Yep. I agree. So, I mean, the Lakers do once again, it's a good problem to have, but I think the front office is going to have to help Luke out a little bit because we do have a glut at the power forward spot with, Three guys who could arguably start. And that's Larry Nance, Kyle Kuzma, and Julius Randle. And the Lakers have a dearth at the wing position. And not only at the wing position, but a dearth at shooting. Just shooting in general. You know, the shooting, <laughs> the shooting the ball in the basket position. And if there's, if there's a way that the front office can consolidate talent a little bit, trade one of the power forwards, not Kyle Kuzma, for a guy who can shoot, I think that would help Luke out in his decision-making a lot and the rotations would be better. I don't know who that's going to be, what their decision is going to be with regards to Julius Randle, whether they want to let this season play out and then decide his future and keep that cap hold on their books for free agency or not. I don't know. Are they going to think about using Nance because Nance is a very highly sought-after commodity amongst the league to get a premier three-point shooter i don't know about premier but even just a guy who like a rodney hood type player i don't know palinka has said that these these opportunities might be available at the trade deadline i guess we'll have to see what's out there but i am glad nance is back but because of that it does make the rotational minutes a little bit tricky and maybe brooke lopez just becomes the guy who who ends up taking the brunt of that um because of it so yeah we will see um, I guess let's close really quickly on Lonzo Ball. Um, left a lot to be desired tonight, obviously. You know, against the Kings, he had kind of a, a nice game, 11 assists. He had 11 points, kind of got got pretty hot from three-point line, especially at the end there. And he had that really, pretty much the only highlight of that game, in my opinion, the uh, crazy, nasty, nasty alley-oop dunk that was reminiscent of what he did at UCLA, right? So that was highlight play that should have been ever... an and one yeah it definitely <laughs> should Willie Stein got him yeah it was over Willie Colley Stein and he really jammed it down very impressive athletic feat tonight once again it reverted back to what uh, un what unfortunately we are accustomed of Lonzo Ball this season one for seven 
one for six from three, and four of those three-point shots were not close, Alan. They were not close. Oh, my gosh. Keep shooting. (laughs) Yeah, keep shooting. Keep shooting. Um, Seven assists, three turnovers, had a costly turnover in the end there, but he probably shouldn't have been in anyways. Um, even before he was in, I kind of forgot he, he even played that much of the game. I didn't really notice him that much. He had some nifty passes, was active as usual on defense and got a steal here and there, but overall left a lot to be desired tonight. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say some pros would be, uh, just his activity on the floor in general. You know, when it comes to like crashing the offensive glass, it's going to be difficult for him to secure offensive rebounds, obviously, when you got Blake and DeAndre, but he still gets his hand on the ball so frequently, and we may not end up with possession after that, but it's pretty impressive how he sneaks past his defender, because they're not boxing him out at the three-point line, and he does have quick bursts as far as his speed, and he can get there and muck it up a little bit, so... No matter how poorly he's shooting or like tonight, he was in extreme foul trouble. Um, he's still going to go in there and be involved in some way. So you you got to appreciate that. Um, it was interesting that Luke left him in despite being in such uh, terrible foul trouble. You know, he had four fouls uh, in the third and I thought Luke was going to pull him, left him in there anyway just to play through it. And it's kind of like, well, worst case scenario is... You pick up for fifth or you foul out super early and I guess we're just not going to play you at that point. So I like that Luke didn't have him handcuffed as a result of foul trouble. That being said, it's not like he had a very impactful game anyway. Um, But that was just a small thing that I actually liked because it was different. As far as his shot selection, I mean, six of his seven field goal attempts were threes. I was like... There were maybe one or two threes he took that I was like, no, <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I mean, one of them was down the stretch from like 37 feet out or some crap like that. Um, but there were a couple threes where I thought, I like, don't mind you being aggressive there looking for your shot because you are wide open. You're at, you're in your quote unquote spot, which is free throw extended. Um, but like you said, they were not close at all. Yeah. That being said, if he doesn't shoot that, what the hell is he going to do? Right. You know, so uh, mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> mixed bag indeed. And actually, to your, <laughs> to your point, there were not very many shots where you're like, oh, that was a bad shot. But having said that, that only exacerbates my point in the last episode about his shooting mechanics and whether or not he's ever going to be that consistent of a shooter. When you're this wide open and you're getting good looks and they're that off. It's a little worrisome, you know, and maybe it's just him. Maybe there's some mental thing going on that's part of it. Um, hopefully, it's just... a cop out, but yeah. I think that's what it is. It probably is. I just hope he shakes out of it. And um, if he needs to just start driving the ball a little more instead of just settling for that, maybe he needs to do that just to see the ball go in the basket. And if they can drop more plays like that alley oop play for him, that would be great as well. Uh, with that said, I think that'll do it for our show. The Lakers, like like you just mentioned, have a pretty tough schedule coming up. Uh, Wednesday should be quite a test for Lonzo Ball <laughs> against Steph Curry. Brandon Come Ingram on, as LA well. LA City nightlife. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Seriously. We got the Warriors, and then on Saturday we got the Nuggets, who should be our a winnable game, um, even though I believe it's in Denver, so maybe not. They don't have Paul Millsap, though, so that's a plus. Um, and then a back to back on Sunday against the Rockets. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, frustrating loss for the Lakers tonight, even though at, at least it wasn't a game without some excitement and some highlight plays and, and some positive stuff to glean from. But man, we should have won tonight, especially against that other Los Angeles team when we all know that there's only one NBA team in Los Angeles. It's unfortunate that we couldn't put the actual W to that tonight. Um, but with that said, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving break back to work, but Christmas is right around the corner. Alan, I know you're bumping that Mariah Carey. What's that song that she, that they always play? All I want for Christmas, Christmas is you. Ooh, <laughs> baby. Yeah, I love that song. I know you guys are all bumping it now too. And if you don't, you're going to bump it right after you listen to this. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. Once again, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. The more you rate and review us, Alan? Uh, the more you rate and review us, that is how many more high school reunions I'm going to have between now and my 20th. So hopefully that means like every single year. 
<laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> sure. If you want Alan to just continue to have reunions, do that. Uh, we will catch you guys next time. And hopefully the Lakers beat the Warriors. Woohoo. LA Nightlife. Let's do it. Go clubbing, guys. LA Nightlife FTW. All right, Alan, I'll catch you later. Peace. Peace. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit Credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.